Will we be able to do like Cadbury's tours, Joe and Seth popcorn tours? I would love to do that. That would be good. You could be like Willy Wonka, stood there with a big stick. Welcome everybody in. I honestly, I'd love, I can't wait to the moment where I get my, get the Willy Wonka hat on. Yeah. Um, that, you know you made it then, right? Yeah, that's it. I'm, yeah. I'm done. Trials, tribulations, mistakes, barriers, successes, and failures. Hear it here firsthand from those that have grown billion-dollar businesses to those that are just starting out. Winner of the Campaign Publishing Award for Best Business Podcast in the UK, Successes in the Mind is the only place where you can get a sense of business reality in a world full of idealism. Everyone claims to be an entrepreneur, but can everyone live up to the title? What does it take to start a business, to get your product into a high street store, or grow a well-managed team? I'm Oliver Bruce, founder and entrepreneur myself. Join me as I interview business leaders and founders from across the globe, delving into what makes them tick, their differentiators and intrinsic motivators. This is Success is in the Mind. Success is in the Mind is proud to be sponsored by Coronation Wealth Management, a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. The team at Coronation Wealth provides services including retirement, investment, protection, and business planning. To find out more, go to coronationwealth.co.uk. On this episode, we have the Willy Wonka of popcorn, producing the self-proclaimed best-tasting popcorn in the world. German chefs have over 50 flavours of popcorn, tonnes of caramel sauces, and over 50 great taste awards. Having been founded in 2010 as a family business, Joe and Seth's are now stocked in Harrods, Harvey Nichols, Waitrose, Selfridges, Whole Foods. The list does go on. If it's possible to sit back and grab a tub of popcorn and listen to a podcast, then this is the one to do it to. Ladies and gentlemen, co-founder of Joe and Seth's Gourmet Popcorn, Adam Soffer. Thanks so much for having me. Adam, before your career in chefing popped off, and you'll see what I did there, your early career post-university was incredibly corporate. You worked for Adam Smith, you worked for the Law International, Deloitte. It kind of didn't really follow the normal route into the kitchen. Why was that? Yeah, it was really interesting. Well, uh, maybe if I give you a bit of context as to why on earth popcorn, because <laughs> popcorn really started from my dad making us popcorn when we were kids. And so it, it was sort of this really left-field uh, um, idea for a business that that was sort of always humming away in the background as I was doing all those different jobs, um, and uh, yeah, I sort of started my career in well, Deloitte, quite a big company, mm. moved to Dixon's and Curry's, uh, and a bit, a bit of a smaller business, but still had this sort of nagging frustration of working really hard but not really getting to see the results of all the work that I was putting in. It was it was in the sort of three years into that role where myself and my parents we, and, and my brother as well at the time went well we've got this amazing popcorn recipes that my dad had made us for years mm-hmm. why don't we why don't we set this up as a business and it was almost all the sort of pieces aligned my mum had been a stay-at-home mum was eager yeah. to get into the workforce uh, and uh, and my dad was really obviously really excited about his recipes so yeah, it was it was a sort of stars aligning moment. Because I mean, as a child, then were you kind of an angel child? Because a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be able to go to business with their parents. I know my parents would run a mile if I said let's go and work together. But were you were you pretty good as a kid? I I was I yeah I wouldn't say I was a bad kid. Although my parents <laughs> would say the absolute opposite. But what was really interesting about the relationship, in particular with my dad, was he, he doesn't he doesn't really enjoy sport and. Therefore, the kind of the common theme of, of kind of our hobby together was like we're both really, really passionate about business. And so we would always talk about other businesses. And, and, and even when I was at school and, you know, I sort of undercut, I set up a tuck shop and undercut the school tuck shop from my locker. <laughs> was, it, was it a boarding school then? 
No, 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 no. It was a day school, but they had a sort of tuck shop thing. I don't know why you go go and buy, you know, rubbish sweets for for a pound or whatever, uh, and and get yourself get yourself far too far too overweight. Did you make money, profit, or was it just breaking? No, it was. It was quite profitable. In particular, in particular, I remember going to Costco at the weekend. Oh, and, right. and buying a whole load of Haribo or whatever it was at the time and um, bagging it up from the big tubs into sort of little yeah, yeah. little portions. And yeah. And so you almost had like a wholesale purchase and then you actually did mark it up. So it was pretty. Yeah, we make it, which, is, which shows you how much money the school tuck shop made. It was outrageous. And um, <laughs> so even, and, you know, even through all those sort of little things that I did, I guess, on my path to this. Uh, he was always very quite supportive about it, and so yeah. So I guess we had that sort of that theme in our relationship of really enjoying business, and so it didn't. It was it was a tough kind of first six months learning how to speak to your parents in a work way, and and in particular vice versa. You know, they've always yeah. told you what to do, and you, you've done it. You know, as a, yeah. as a kid, yeah, yeah, or yeah. not, or not, and got into trouble. And um, but to have that sort of two way relationship where it, where it worked it took a bit of time to adjust, but once. Once we got there, there is no better kind of partnership because you mm. are totally, you totally trust each other and you're totally aligned in terms of what you're trying to achieve. But in terms of going into the corporate world then, because obviously you clearly, you clearly had some entrepreneurial flair when you were a kid. You clearly were interested in business, but you still spent, you know, a good couple of years, nearly 10 years in the kind of corporate, corporate sphere and did some exciting stuff. You worked for Dixon's, but then you decided to kind of throw the towel in and pick up the apron in the kitchen sort of thing. And you know why bother going and working for somebody if you had that flair from an early age? I think I, I, it was really interesting. I don't know. You, you listen to some to podcasts and, mm-hmm. and um, some entrepreneurs who will talk about their sort of journey to entrepreneurship, and they will they will always sort of go. Well, I, most of the time, they'll probably talk about how it was a relatively easy decision or how it mm-hmm. just how it happened quite naturally. But to be really honest, it was a lot. It was it was something that really troubled me for quite a few years because I'd gone to university, I'd done all this good stuff got a good degree, worked really hard. I was like, well, I'm, I've got an opportunity here to go and get a really good graduate job, which pays me for you know a good amount of money. I can have a good life. Or I can go and risk it all now and you know, miss out on all of the kind of all, all this hard work in, in my head at the time wouldn't have wouldn't have paid off. So there was a lot of I felt a lot of pressure, not from anyone else, but to myself to go and to go down that graduate path and Kind of work in bigger companies, etc. And actually, I do think it was the right thing to do, even regardless of whether this was to sort of come come along later. Because I mean, it, a lot of my a lot of my network has come from those companies. A lot of my friends have come from those businesses, and a lot of my kind of just being able to to lead a team in a much better way, having had some experiences elsewhere, has come from that. So, yeah, I don't regret any of it at all. But the reasoning for then quitting all of that and, and doing this was a Kind of, it was almost the sort of the just the it was the right time of actually I really want to do this and now is now is a really good time kind of I managed to put away enough savings that by renting out my second room in my flat and I could you know I worked out I could survive for a year without a salary and you know so all those different things I got to, I, I'd made sure I'd sort of planned it enough that I could that I could do it so because I mean what did your parents say because you were you know traveling back and forth from the US bringing back sweets bringing back goodies that kind of thing but then you decided actually I could probably do this better and when you went to your dad and said i think we should go into the popcorn business you used to make popcorn as a kid for us what did they say because you'll have been on a decent salary they'll have what will they have said get crack on chuck it all away or did they say actually no think about this they thought i'd lost the plot 
Uh, <laughs> they were kind of right. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, because so the context was so back in 2010, right? There was when we started the business, there was no popcorn in the UK. Didn't really exist besides uh, one big brand who makes lots of cheap toffee popcorn, uh, and also lots of kind of cinema stuff. You know, go and you'd you'd get yourself a sweet or a salty popcorn or whatever. But there wasn't really anything else. So the idea of us launching a popcorn business, and you know, so this was about and, and so. It was all done. I did all of this on the side. So my parents were full time for the first year. I, I was doing it in my spare time. And the idea of then at that point, jacking in the job and going and joining a popcorn business that wasn't really, you know, I think at the time we had one listing at Selfridges and that was it. So that was one of your first listings with Selfridges? It was. That's a massive listing. It was really exciting. I mean, as a, as a list, you know, in the context, like, we, you know, we launched this business as a bit of a hobby. My dad yeah. was, um, you know, there wasn't really a, they kind of we're going to go and make loads of money or mm. this is going to be huge it was really want to have a go at doing something and maybe this is maybe this is something that we can do and um so then to kind of get selfies and then to see it selling really well and, and then harrods wanting it and then hopefully and you know it kind of picked up picked up mm. pace quite quickly um, it sounds like a sort of a perfect storm almost too perfect too good to be true to a certain extent because you know you didn't even take out really a loan you had an overdraft you had some savings you pumped some money in 10 grand roughly um, from an overdraft point of view but you had full control with your parents over the whole business you were going into Selfridges, Waitrose, Whole Foods you know Harvey Nichols all these kind of big high street brands you know and a lot of people take years and years and years to get into that how did you open those doors? I think there's a couple of things I think yeah our journey has, has been really different to a lot of brands so we didn't we didn't go and raise a whole heap of money which meant that we kept we kept full control the whole business but what that meant is we had to build the business slowly but surely because we didn't have the cash flow to go and launch into 2000 stores up and down the country on day one there's just no way that was going to happen and i think actually it's meant that we've got a much more our brand is much stronger now because of it we've done the hard miles and i think that um we yeah we we've really built business in the kind in the right way but yeah how do we how do we get into those guys in the early days it was persistence if there was a bit of kind of someone told me i said i used the word luck um uh a couple of years ago and someone said that's rubbish you create your own luck but there was a bit of luck i think uh of which was at the time you know we created a premium popcorn mm-hmm. and uh, no one else had a premium popcorn and mm-hmm. so of course selfridges was going to go well why, why are we going to have this cheap popcorn we have to have popcorn on the shelf why am we going to have this cheap popcorn we're self yeah. we need to have a, a really premium the better tasting yeah. all natural flavored lots of different cool kind of packaging and things so it was a bit of a no-brainer once we had managed to get hold of the right buyer and and kind of get the commercials in the right place and, uh, and people would then buy it and and that's what kind of fueled the success in the early days was lots of lots of hard graft and getting it out there and letting people try it So Adam, I suppose one of the most obvious questions quite a few people might be wondering is how did you actually name it and why did you name it Joe and Seth? So I think there's some kind of connotation to your dad there, isn't there? Yeah, so the branding is a play on his name, basically. So he is the guy that kind of makes our popcorn, created the recipes in the, in, you know, when we were kids. And uh, his name is Joseph. So it's literally his name, dreadfully spelled, split into two. And actually, for those that are watching, you'll see the logo yes. behind me. Um, the clue that Joe and Seth is in fact Joseph, one person, yes. is it's the same hat upside down, the top hat and the chef's hat when they're oh, flipped yes. over, That's signifying true. that actually it's the same hat, but worn by two different personalities as part of the same person. 
do you know, I was looking at I was looking at that earlier going, okay, they're both male hats. So maybe there is some connotation there, but it never occurs to me that actually looking at it now it is the same hat and just to paint a picture you've got an and in the middle of it as well so it's joe and Seths. but being dyslexic i thought that's how you spelt joseph so evidently i'm wrong um but no that's really interesting most really most interesting. people actually for years thought that the brand was joe and steph and my dad was joe and therefore i must be steph i did write it down autocorrect on flipping microsoft word was telling me it was joe and steph's and i was adamant it wasn't but i need so. to need to email bill gates and ask him to change that you had a photo on your instagram with bill gates you're gonna actually, just ask I, him actually i did and could... just to be clear i don't have his email address or anything uh <laughs> isn't it bill.gates at microsoft.co.uk probably, probably. yeah b <laughs> gates um yeah that was actually mate that was the the, yeah, one of those pinch yourself moments where yeah. I bumped into him at a dinner and I was like, oh my God, how on earth? Um, what kind of dinner was that? It was um, because we do an awful lot of exporting. Right. There was a, I somehow got an invitation to a, a dinner where there was lots of different people in the world of export. And he was there along with some really kind of other crazy influential people in the world. And I was obviously right in the corner on the Oh, you weren't sat on the table with him. Away from him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably because they knew I'd ask him for a picture. And um, yeah. uh, But it was an amazing, yeah, amazing opportunity. And it, you were ahead of the times. I mean, when you guys called yourself a kind of gourmet popcorn uh, business, you know, the word gourmet is essentially, a, it means a food connoisseur, right? Person with discerning, a discerning palate, okay? That's never been used in the world of, I suppose, popcorn before. So was that quite disruptive back in the day when you said, look, we are gourmet popcorn makers, essentially? Yeah, I mean, I remember day one of Joe and Seth's, we were standing in, a, in an exhibition centre, Olympia Exhibition Centre in West London, and it was a BBC MasterChef food show. It was basically one of these shows where you, mm-hmm. where you turn up and you see some of their guys off of the TV and, and then hopefully go and buy loads of food from independent producers. And, <laughs> um, and we were there, you know, we made the popcorn the previous day in, in, our, um, in our rent by the hour kitchen, which was... You know, way of how we one of the ways we, we really bootstrap a business. So where would you rent by the hour a kitchen? In in Park where we are actually now, um in Park Royal in, in uh, West London or Northwest right. London, there are it's kind of it's marketed as the biggest industrial estate in Europe and, and basically there's lots of different food companies here, but also right. kind of big kitchens where you can kind of rent bits of it basically. But yeah, we turned up at this food show on day one and uh, with the popcorn that we had made in this kitchen and we were like, well Hopefully it sells, but if it doesn't, you know, what do we do with this damn popcorn we've got in the car? Like, so we're sort of running, ringing around local charities and hospitals, going, "Would you, you know, would you take this?" <laughs> Preparing to fail. Yeah, basically, like, well, this is be <laughs> how really much did awkward. it cost you? How much did it cost you to make that popcorn? This was probably thousand pounds worth at the time. Thousand quid. So you were ten percent into your overdraft then. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, at, <laughs> at this, no, at this point we'd spent it all because <laughs> the, the, the money was all spent on building a website, right. the exhibition show stand, branding first production run that we did ourselves and then really from then on it was about well and every sale that we make kind of builds builds the cash flow and uh, yeah so we stand there going what do we what do we do with this stuff and the hospitals were like well you can't because you haven't got food safety something 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 so we're like okay, we really need to sell this and on day one of the show we're standing there and we're, we're going oh come and try our caramel and almond popcorn <laughs> you, you are um and, and how much you know were the sort of the two things that and then it, so it was really a struggle to pull people onto the stand, yeah. try it. And then once they were there, they were like throwing their money. You know, this is amazing. This, <laughs> this is brilliant. And, it, and to the extent that by the end of day one, I had called my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, and yeah. she was behind me and my dad is, and my mum was, we were sort of selling this stuff 
frantically packing more popcorn into bags because we kept running out. <laughs> um, and it was the end of, but, but that was really the sign that it was really new. Mm-hmm. People hadn't tried mm-hmm. popcorn before. And actually, when we bumped into one of the really early big fans of our brand was Greg Wallace. Who, oh, oh yeah, buttery biscuit base, Greg Wallace. Yeah, we exactly. <laughs> and and Andy Peters actually, who were who were both at the show in kind of Master Chef full mode, and and they came on really onto our stand, tried it, and like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and that coupled with sort of the chaos of people yeah. throwing money at us and selling out of popcorn, and it was just it was just chaotic. But we knew we were onto something. But we knew we also had to. Do an awful lot of work for people to try it and understand what it was. Our sponsors, Coronation Wealth Management, provide a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. This is how Coronation Wealth helped a co-founder and director in the food and drink sector. Being a new co-founder, Coronation Wealth are helping us to understand what we can do with our business and advising us on business financial planning. Personally, looking at mine and my husband's investments and retirement planning is also a stress reliever. Coronation Wealth Management LLP is an appointed representative of and represents only St. James's Place Wealth Management PLC, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purpose of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services. More details of which are set out on the group's website www.sjp.co.uk forward slash products. So in America, they've obviously got elements or sweets like this or popcorn similar to this. Why bother doing it yourself in the UK? Why not just drop ship it, mark it up and be done with all the hassle? Um, there was a couple of reasons. Yeah. So America really inspired Joe and Seth's. Mm-hmm. But American and, and now having been out there sort of pre-COVID and, and tried every single popcorn I possibly could in the US, <laughs> we do something that's really quite different to the American market. So we right. will never use anything artificial in our popcorn mm-hmm. um whilst there's a number of flavorings and colorings used in a number of the premium brands over there we also want the certain taste profiles that is much better fit in europe than in america right and size of product and, and various other things and so we we couldn't find anyone in the uk or the us or anyone who would make jones for us um, right. and that was why we now have uh, our own big kind of dedicated production kitchens where we make all of our popcorn ourselves you know we had no choice in the early days to make it ourselves um in the way that we wanted and in mm. the flavor range that we wanted in the packaging that we wanted but how, how do you go about when you start a business specifically in the food industry and we had um mel goldsmith from smith and sinclair come on our podcast in series one now she's amazing she's brilliant she's sold out now but her flavors alcoholic gummy bears essentially or gummy sweets are so unique similar to your flavors you've got mac and cheese you've got gin and tonic there's some wacky things out there but how the hell when you're starting a business do you go about taste testing and coming up with the right flavors do you have to hire someone to do that or do you just chuck it in a bowl and hope for the best it's interesting if if you ha- if you want to outsource your kind of production to someone then mm. it's probably a bit of the first point you made there but in, in if you're making it yourselves like we are we can do the second it is right, okay. and i remember you know the creation of our so we created the world's first alcoholic popcorn um, right. and this and this was you know you thought pop you thought caramel and almond popcorn was ahead of its time in 2010 gin and tonic popcorn in 2013 was what on earth kind yeah. of territory and and properly alcoholic yeah so we poured real london gin into right. uh, the popcorn and tonic water so how many pieces of popcorn would i have to have to have a session <laughs> a lot because i was going to sell it to you um <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh it was and, and and it was the it was the first and and the creation of that popcorn came about because at the time it was we really wanted to work with this 
group of, sort of five bars, or I think it was 10 bars in London. They said, we need something really cool and different for our summer season. Mm-hmm. What can you do? And we were sat, I was sat in a bar in one of their bars in London and sort of looking around and there's a bottle of gin just in the corner. Maybe, maybe we can. Walked out the meeting, rang my dad, said, you don't have to have a bottle of gin lying around you. And kind of concerningly, he said, yeah, 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 I've got one in the office. I said, well, let's, let's, see, let's see if we can make it. And, you know, he spent one of his nights where he just didn't sleep and he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this gin popcorn. Yes. Um, and by the morning, we had a gin popcorn and sent it to the customer. This was amazing. And that was it. That was, that was the beginning. And now you have to, you know, now we're a bit bigger and we've got a, a brand and yeah. that, we, that we don't want to make sure we get anything too wrong we obviously will get feedback on it and, sure uh and test it a bit more but at the time it was it was genuinely really um let's do it quickly and, and be first from a structural point of view and you said that obviously in businesses prior to, to joining or indeed starting your joseph's business you knew about structure you were in a business with structure has that massively helped with how you structure your business now you've got 60 staff and your dad's in the kitchen i'm sure with other people what is your role now and how do you actually delegate and drive that business forwards so formally, I'm now managing director, right? Um, but still, so my brother and my brother is, and my dad and my mum are also still in the business in kind of different roles as well. But uh, yeah, in terms of, I guess what I learned that, yeah, I think what what we really wanted was to create a business where really great people would want to come and work. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the early days, we didn't have a huge budget. You know, mm-hmm. we were we were very much relying on kind of paid interns and who then became full-time members of staff. And, yeah, yeah. and I guess it, having had the exposure to the kind of more corporate world, I could try and bring some structure and some fun and yeah. organization to what was a chaotic uh, <laughs> startup. But at the same time, you don't want to lose the kind of the fun startup chaotic feel. So it was a really, it was, it was kind of structure for where it's needed, not necessarily for the sake of it. Do you still have that fun vibe then in the business, even though it's, what now, 6 million revenue, 60 staff? Do you still have that kind of um, culture that, that you do get in a startup in the first couple of years? I hope so. I think definitely with COVID, it proved really tough to, to maintain it. Um, Pre-COVID, we were all operating. We actually had our kitchens, product, uh, kitchens, our warehouse and our offices all in separate, three separate locations. Right, okay. and, we, and we had, because we had outgrown all the various different buildings, we like, we've got to bring it all together. And so the, the plan was, which we did do in June last year, so right at the beginning of COVID, was to bring it all together under one roof. And yeah. so that for us was meant to be the kind of the relaunch of getting, our, getting everyone under one roof and kind of one big team culture. And then actually, but then at that point, we had the sales and marketing team obviously needed to work from home mm-hmm. because of the restrictions. And we had um, our operational team who were on site with food production we could carry on uh doing running different shifts i think covid made it really really difficult to to maintain it so now we are very much put, trying to pull it back and, and uh get the fun back into into the business it's a proper ecosystem but i mean i suppose looking at looking at scaling which arguably is one of the hardest things in business to do you know people can grow a business to a certain size but it's taking it to that next level which is really really difficult you utilize the funding circle loan i think instead of getting private investment to, to pump in some 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 capital now what was the methodology and purpose behind using funding circle because so many people wouldn't necessarily do that would walk away from it would look at other means why why use them and why did you need the cash so yeah, we've so we we've always been 100% family owned, kept all the equity until mm-hmm. actually 2019 when we did take 
um, investment for the first time. But oh, okay. be- before that was the funding circle um, opportunity, and it was it was very much all cash flow. So we we were growing so fast mm-hmm. that um, we just needed to you know to, to because we manufacture ourselves, we've got to pay people's wages, we've got to pay rent, we've got to pay for the raw materials, everything far earlier than obviously the customer's going to then pay us for it. Um, and it was a really great way of quickly getting some additional funding to mean that we could supply more customers faster. Obviously, since then, we've, we've done other things like, so as we've moved into our own building, we can asset finance certain certain mm-hmm. things, um, which means that we can buy more cookers, more um, ovens and more popping machines and more all these different things but yeah it, it, it's, it's always about cash flow and, and making sure that we've got the ability to continue to grow in a, in a sort of stable way so how did you get from I'm, I'm assuming a kind of low you know a couple of hundred thousand maybe a million quids turnover to the six million threshold that you're currently at now by just and you've got you know 50 flavors of popcorn is a lot of flavors of popcorn but you must have to sell a shed load to turn over that kind of revenue now was there a point where you could just see it growing exponentially year on year or was it a fairly manageable and sort of slow growth over the last 10 years um in the first few years we were sort of doubling to tripling every year um but you were going off relatively small amounts right so four hundred thousand. oh sorry it's hundred thousand to four hundred thousand four hundred thousand to a million something like that and it was um which is an awful lot of bags of popcorn like you say like wow we were going from a rent by the hour kitchen to like how the hell do you make you know, we went from 100 bags on the shelf in Selfridges. That was the first order. Right. <laughs> to, to then they ordered 1,000 bags. That was kind of a jump. And then they were like, well, how do you then supply all these other customers with yeah. thousands, thousands more? So in the early days, and that was, you know, each additional retailer kind of added a good amount of um, to the turnover. And then, but then we, as we sort of carried, uh, as long as, as we sort of then carried on over the following years, it, it was 40% growth a year, 30% growth a year as it became a bit bigger. So nice amount of growth but mm-hmm. nothing to nothing that sort of challenged the cash flow i guess and and in a way we were forced to do this because mm-hmm. the uk at the time was still not ready for gourmet popcorn no. um and so we did a lot of a lot of export sales where there were some countries around the world that were much more ready for gourmet popcorn than we mm-hmm. were but as a result it was very much uh, incremental it was one country at a time one retailer at a time mm-hmm. as the popcorn category kind of exploded And in terms of the pandemic and, and the last sort of 12, 18 months, has that, you know, some some ways it's been negative for you guys in as much as obviously the cultural thing's been kind of ripped apart. But actually the world's gone online, everything's gone more digital, e-commerce is the way that people have generally transacted over the last 12, 18 months. Have you seen a massive uplift in sales online because of that? Or has it been fairly standard? Um, yeah, we saw, so as, as COVID hit, we had a good amount of business in kind of travels, in the travel space and in cinema and theatre mm-hmm. space. And all of that disappeared, right, when, when COVID hit. Um, and we replaced all of that and more with our online business. So mm-hmm. we, we really um, have come out of COVID in, we had a really tough few months as, as it hit, mm-hmm. but we've come out of it far stronger than we went in um, with a business that's, that trades across other channels, like new channels. We've acquired hundreds of thousands of new customers over the course of the year who have interacted with us directly and had the kind of awesome Joseph's customer experience and, and all of that has, has been really good and, and and is what sort of fueled the growth and actually from kind of from a culture perspective i think what was so whilst, whilst it was really tough 
Um, what was really fun was all the, the team, you know, in sales and marketing who were focused on cinemas and theatres and travel, mm-hmm. all of us came together as a group and focused on, right, how can we absolutely smash online, which made it quite a kind of fun environment, I think, for people to try and learn new things and yeah. Um, and kind of build yeah. their skill set. Well, well, looking into you guys, I mean, you guys have done really, really well in terms of branding and, and sort of marketing online. You're speaking at the Festival of Marketing. You've got 40,000 plus Instagram followers. You're starting to dabble in the world of of TikTok. I think you call it amateur TikTok videos on the on the actual profile. But you're doing a lot of educational pieces of content in terms of actually teaching people how to use different flavors, teaching people how to use popcorn, whatever it might be. Are you seeing that people are wanting to do more how-tos and more learning with flavors at home during the pandemic than ever before and has, has that helped you guys go into a slightly different area um yeah i think so so yeah during the pandemic really people were there was kind of two main things people were buying joe and Cess for there was mm. the what else are we doing apart from watching netflix and other tv programs and needing <laughs> something to kind of elevate that that yeah. evening or daytime experience and there was a hold on i'm looking for something fun to do so people yeah. were buying multiple different flavors running tasting sessions kind of guess the flavor um making cakes and other kind of sweet treats using our popcorn and our caramel sauce range as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there was a lot more kind of occasion about what people were buying mm-hmm. for than just, I need a snack. Uh, yeah. And that, I think, what I love about that is people then in, enjoying their bag of Jones Fs and going, wow, this is great. Yeah. It's going on Instagram, it's going on TikTok or whatever, and, yeah. um, and, and really enjoying that moment in time. And But how important is being instagrammable i suppose to 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 your brand because if you know people taking photos people putting it online people marketing it for you user generated content massively massively um sort of hot at the moment in terms of as a topic but you guys seem to get it bang on and people are posting it everywhere um i was kind of say so i think i think uh is it really important in our early days there was no other way of getting kind of our, our word out there apart from through channels yeah. like social media um and we're really lucky in that the product tastes incredible. And so when people receive it, they're likely to kind of go, wow, this is amazing. So, yeah, I do believe, I, I do think social is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there are other areas as well, which we've got to, which now we do a lot more. So PR, um, we do a good amount in terms of paid adverts for, on Google, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well, the most important thing I think is where, Joe and Seth is available in a store mm-hmm. that we're supporting that store and making sure that our products on the shelf looks amazing and yeah. it's and it's kind of tempting for people to pick up off the shelf and so we do a lot more there as well. So what's the future hold for the UK from a popcorn point of view? But Joe and Seth's as a, as a as a brand, are you are you focusing on exporting further and in, more internationally, or are you very much focused on the UK over the next 12, 24 months? So a bit of everything and everything. So we are focused on the UK and making mm-hmm. sure that Joe and Seth's we create create more products that people love um, and get excited by, and they're available in wherever people want to buy them up and down the country. And then we are also focused on overseas and um, there is a whole heap of places around the world that Jernsef is perfect for and we've mm-hmm. never really had the opportunity to to kind of launch into them and uh, we are doing a lot of that. Yeah, they're the two main things that we're, that we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And then as a business, we are really focused on making this amazing site in, in London absolutely the best place in the world, like a world-class popcorn uh, hub really and making sure that actually everything we do here is is just amazing and so um yeah lots of work new people and mm-hmm. new kit and 
lots of builders uh, to, to make this amazing. Will we be able to do like Cadbury's tours, Joe and Seth popcorn tours? I would love to do that. That would be good. You could be like Willy Wonka stood there with a big stick. Welcome everybody in. I honestly, I'd love, I can't wait to the moment where I get my, to get the Willy Wonka hat on. Yeah, um, that, you know you made it then, right? Yeah, that's it. I'm, yeah. I'm done. I honestly think that would be, and, and I would love to do that. And it's one of the, it's, you know, we are one of the few, if only brands who make popcorn ourselves and yeah. sell it ourselves. And we, I kind of want to tell customers and let them see it and get them yeah. excited by it. And, you know, you walk into our kitchens and you see the caramel bubbling and the popcorn yeah. popping. And it's just the most amazing kind of experience, I think. Lots of things get in the way of doing that health and safety, <laughs> COVID, uh, and a million other problems. But yes. I hope one day we will. So uh, but for you, Adam, I suppose, what does success, apart from a massive Willy Wonka hat on your head, what does success actually actually look like? What, what gets us going is the team. When the yeah. team is really kind of everyone is just smashing what they're doing, <laughs> that's, that's just brilliant. You know, especially when we've got you know, a team the side because we – Make the, make the popcorn ourselves. We've yeah. got a big team of people. A lot of FMCG businesses would just be sort of an office team. Yeah. We've got a big team and, and actually um, when they're all really enjoying what they're doing and, and we're all smashing it, we've got these big orders going out the door. That's just, that is success for me. That is yeah. everyone knows what they're doing and excited about what they've just created and what they've done. And I hope that we can just do that more frequently and, and that will be, for me, the most important thing. So if... I want to go and buy some of your popcorn. I want to sit in front of Netflix and I want to enjoy some caramel-flavoured Joe and Seth's popcorn. How, how do I do that? Where do I find it? You will find Joe and Seth's in most cinemas up and down the country in a number of good supermarkets, um, so some Waitrose stores and some Sainsbury's stores, mm-hmm. as well as, uh, very important at the moment, online. Um, you'll find us in um, on our website, joanceth.co.uk, Amazon. And a big part of our business still as well is all of our independent stores up and down the country, farm shops and delis, high street kind of stores who um, have supported us all, all the way along this journey and have probably the best range of Joanceths available anywhere because they have all of our fun, quirky flavours. We can't end this podcast without a small popcorn joke. So Adam, thank you very much for popping on the podcast you see what i did there oh that was so corny <laughs> oh i like that i do <laughs> but on that I've note waiting, i've been waiting for that moment all you've got another one you got another no no, no no that's it that's about as no. far as my humor goes oh okay good well we'll end it there then <laughs> adam thanks so much for popping on the podcast appreciate it and speak to you soon nice to meet you thanks so Cheers, much dude Thanks for listening to this episode. For more information, check out the description where you can find exclusive video snippets on my YouTube channel, as well as contact details and links. If you've enjoyed this episode, please show your support as always by subscribing. If you or someone you know should be on the show, please email me via oliver at pinpoint-media.co.uk and I promise I'll get back to you. Remember, there's never a good time to start a business, but in business, you should always have a good time. Take care. Success in the Mind is proud to be sponsored by Coronation Wealth Management, a professional service providing tailored financial advice to business owners, entrepreneurs, managers and clients looking to grow and protect their wealth or reach their financial goals. The team at Coronation Wealth provides services including retirement, investment, protection and business planning. To find out more, go to coronationwealth.co.uk. This podcast is supported by our media partner, Blocks and PR, who represent some of the most powerful brands within the luxury, lifestyle, and fashion sector. Go and check them out at blocksandpr.com.